Well, we've uh, completed Romans chapters 1 through to 11. We are now advancing into uh, the practical application of all the tremendous gospel doctrines that Paul has been inspired to uh, portray before our very eyes. And uh, he encourages his uh, readers and his hearers, and that's us here tonight in St. Melons, to keep those blessed mercies very much at the centre of our thinking and our view. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, or in view of the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And here we are this evening, that... By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, it's true. It's um, nothing wrong with having a, an overview of a chapter. We could have covered chapter 12 in a week. We could, uh, as uh, my, the church that our Ben attends in Newtown, um, a few months back, I attended a, a service when lockdown had been eased. They were starting Romans Uh, I was there a couple of weeks ago. They're finishing Romans. And so that's one way uh, to do it. We've taken uh, a mutually approach. But uh, I I just can't help myself being drawn to certain phrases and and verses. Uh, And the end of chapter verse 2 is a very compelling statement. Uh, We all want to know the will of God. What What is God's will? Because in doing God's will, there is peace and there's joy. And there's contentment to be at the centre of his will. And uh, we're given here a wonderful promise that we can know uh, what is his will. And so we could give a title to tonight's service, Knowing and Gladly Doing God's Will in in My Life. Knowing and Gladly Doing God's Will in My Life. Now, to discern God's will is a blessed result And the blessed consequence of the first one and a half verses of Romans chapter 12. So let's read it again. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's the command. And in doing this, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Keeping in view chapters 1 to 11, the gospel, the simple, beautiful, pure, glorious, joy-bringing gospel. There's the surface message, Jesus died for me, but Paul goes into the great depths of the gospel And the the wonders of chapters 9 and 10 and 11, keeping all these things in view, we should serve him with gladness. It's the only logical conclusion. If I've understood the gospel, what could I do but give my life to him? Let me quote again from Tim Keller. And here's another man who has given a a rapid overview of Romans. And uh, again, don't know if you do, read at home or here in the chapel it's good to have a library 
either get them online and download a Bible app that you can uh, add books to and commentaries, or you can buy a, a hardback copy. I like having a copy I can hold and smell and underline and uh, draw rings around words and things and carry it along with me and uh, knock on it. It's good to have a solid uh, book here. But I did quote from Tim Keller last time, and the, the logical nature of being committed to God through Christ. Let's read this quotation again. In short, once you have a good view of God's mercy, anything less than a total, complete sacrifice of yourself to God is completely irrational. If the gospel's true, since it's true, isn't it only logical to serve him gladly? And if I keep in view chapters 1 to 11, I'm compelled, I'm constrained to serve him gladly. If you give yourself partially or half-heartedly, you are simply not thinking. You are not looking at what Jesus did. If what Jesus did does not move you or break the ice over your soul, you must ask yourself if you have ever understood the gospel. So that's why we need to keep chapters 1 to 11 very much in view. That's why the gospel needs to be upfront and central. This last hymn is a very powerful one that we sang. Can we sing it wholeheartedly? I've forgotten who the author actually uh, was. My gracious Lord, I own thy right to every service I can pay and call it my supreme delight to hear thy dictates. Well, that was a nice sermon. That was interesting. Did you hear that podcast? Did you see that blog? Did you read it? To hear thy dictates and obey. What is my being but for thee? It sure support its noblest end, thy ever smiling face to see and serve the cause of such a friend. I would not breathe for worldly joy or to increase my worldly good, nor future days or powers employ to spread a sounding name abroad. I'm not going to spread somebody else's fame. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to my Saviour. I would live to him who for my ransom died, nor could untainted Eden give. If Adam had never fallen and I was in the Garden of Eden, Adam couldn't have known the bliss that I know, nor could untainted Eden give such bliss as blossoms at his side that the eternal God would give himself for me, that, oh, my God, thou wouldst die for me. This work... Now, there's a lovely translation here. It's difficult to actually put the words in. I think the, the original is, his work, my hoary age, shall bless. But, uh, of course, maybe that's not too common a word that's used today, my hoary age. His work, my advancing age, shall bless. Now, look around and look with the eye of faith at the camera and see you at, at home. There's some older folks listening in. Well, his work... His uh, energising work, the work of the Holy Spirit. We thought about his work this morning in our, in our lives. His work, my hoary age shall bless when youthful vigour is no more. 
and my last hour of life, whenever it shall come, confess. His love has animating power. Yeah, that uh, dying breath, and he comes and sweeps us in to glory. Or oh, to know the will of God and to do the will of God is the logical conclusion of a full view of the mercies of God portrayed through our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Knowing and doing the will of God. How, but how am I to know God's will? How do I live uh, for him? Well, I mustn't conform to the pattern of the world. So where do I get most of my edification from? Uh, in lockdown, I mean, I'm sure many of us have watched many box sets. Maybe you're above that, but I, I've been drawn into a, quite a number of box sets. And then I watch the news and uh, Newsnight and uh, comment and political programs. Uh, is that where I get my staple from? There's the world. Don't conform, but be transformed. This word metamorphosis. Be transformed through the renewing of your mind, the word of God working on my mind. And as that happens, saw that by testing you may discern and know what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now we think about the will of God then tonight, how we can know God's will. And in, in two areas, there's God's general will that's going to be the same for every single believer. But then it gets more tricky. What about his particular will? Well, what would you have me uh, to do? We've got chapter and verse on many things. So generally, Lord, should I lie on this occasion? Well, God's word is unchanging there. As I sit under his word, these great precepts become settled and then bed themselves, aided by the Spirit as I'm listening carefully. And I used to lie and I lie no more. But Paul has to emphasize the church at Ephesus. There are some who were still lying. Let him who lied lie no more. Uh, do I steal? And the principles of God's word for every believer. And again, at Ephesus, there are people there still nicking things and stealing. Let him who steals steal no longer. Fancy the apostle having to say that to this vibrant New Testament church. We shouldn't be surprised there are difficulties in churches or get discouraged by saints who go astray. We are unfinished works. This as we come under the word of God in the power of the Spirit that we are transformed. And we can only be transformed because we need to be transformed. God is never changing because he's the ultimate, he's perfect in every way. But you and I are not, so we need to be changed. Do I be unfaithful to my husband or my wife certainly in hearts and here it is these precepts in the bible should i lose my temper with that believer who just doesn't seem to get it no you're gonna have to be patient and just explain things again calmly and clearly and again the principles of god's word are are clear should i have too much uh, of a good thing just take alcohol the Bible's not banning that just say you should not get drunk so yeah I, I take that precept be in control 
And when it comes to a general principle for every believer, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the golden rule of the Bible is love your neighbor as yourself. And I can't do that if I don't love God. And it's this great principle for every believer. Generally, what is the will of God? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. But what about God's particular will? What about the fine details for me personally? Who, who might I marry? Am I to marry? Which job do I take? Maybe I'm offered two or three. What a luxury. Which church do I attend? Not easy, is it? I can't read in Romans. Oh, here it is. Yeah, every believer should attend St. Melanie's Baptist Church if they live within a five-mile radius. She doesn't say that, does it? Doesn't say that. At times, maybe we, we wish it would, but he just doesn't say that. So how, how do we work out and discern? Where do I live? Where do I buy uh, a house? How, how do I serve in a local church? So many needs. Or do I not serve in the local church? What, what ministry do I carry out? And we all have ministries, and we're coming on to that in the next section. God willing, verses 3 through to 8. Gifts of grace and the body and each part playing its part, members one of another and joined to, to, to their head. And of course, we all have gifts and we should all exercise those gifts. Some are obvious and upfront, others are more in the background and, and more quiet and not easily seen, but we're all serving uh, together. So how do I know the particular will of God? How? Well, there's an interesting word here in uh, the latter part of verse 2 that by testing you may discern. By testing you may discern. Five English words, one Greek word. By testing you may discern. Dokimazo. By testing you may discern. But before we come on to that testing and discerning the will of God, if I've ever to do the will of God, first and foremost, I'll emphasize this, and up front, this, this must be true. I must want to. I must want to do the will of God because it must be done from the heart. And so there must be a, before the, we can get onto the discerning, there must be the desiring. Do I desire to serve him? What, what drives you and I tonight? What's driving us forward? If you're sitting at home now, what's driving you this evening? We're here in the chapel, what is driving us? What is our aim? What's our most basic and fundamental desire? Well, it must be God and to serve him. That's the only way to begin to know God's will. It's the only way I'll really seek God's will because I really want to please him. Uh, if, if you fall in love for the first time, you'll spend time and you'll want to know what it is that she wants for her birthday or for Christmas, and you do your research, and you do work hard. And we should never lose our first love for Christ. What would he have me do? And to keep that desire fresh, to love Christ with a fresh love, I need to focus on the gospel continually. 
I must focus on Jesus continually. I must gaze on him, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. That's what the writer of the Hebrews says, looking to him, gazing at him, thinking on him, contemplating him. For he's the one who brings us to the Father. And it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I focus on the gospel, focus on Jesus, and I'm often in verse, chapters 1 to 11. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. Tell me the old, old story. When you have cause to fear that this world's empty glory is costing me too dear, and yet, yes, when that world's glory is dawning on my soul, tell me the old, old story. Christ Jesus makes you whole. So the desire is absolutely fundamental. That comes from uh, keeping in view chapters 1 through to 11, reading evangelistic uh, books, thinking about the, the, the cross, focusing in this area. There's that uh, galvanizing. The love of Christ, says Paul, constrains me. I can't do anything else but serve him. So clearly Paul has got Christ in view. It's not I who live, says Paul, but Christ who lives in me. But then what is God's will? Even Paul struggles at times, knowing what the will of God is. You know, in Acts chapter 16, we tried to go here, we couldn't. We tried to go there, we couldn't. We tried to go there, we couldn't. And now suddenly we're at the coast. What do we do? Then he has a vision of, at night, the man of Macedonia, come across here and help us. Concluding this is the will of God, we hired a ship and we crossed the sea. And they went into Europe and landed at Philippi. And they met the woman by the river and the Philippian jailer. God's will needs to be discerned. So we come on to it then, discernment. Paul knew he, didn't have, he shouldn't steal or lie or get angry or upset and fly off the handle and commit adultery. But where he should go with the gospel in particular, he needed to work hard on that and to think and to pray. So discernment, dokimazo, that you may... Discern by testing. By testing you may discern. Dokimazo means to test and to approve of. So I test and then I agree. I test and I stamp it. I test and I approve. And this needs work. This needs work. This isn't just lay back and let it happen. This needs work. The word is applied to the assaying of metals. So platinum and gold and silver need to be assayed and tested carefully. There's a saying, all that glitters is not gold. Looks like gold and there's something called fool's gold. And prospectors thought they found the real thing. And they go rejoicing. They spend lots of money because they think they got the real thing. Then they end up and it's not the real thing. In the worst position than when they started off. All that glitters is not gold. And certainly when it comes to discerning the will of God, it takes hard work. I've got to test and approve. So many Christians say things like, well, it seemed right to me. Seemed right. You get a cursory, it just seemed right. I just slipped into it. It felt right to me. The opportunity came, so I took it. And Christians 
often quote this most bizarre and strange material. Felt lead. I mean, felt lead. Felt this fuzzy soft stuff and lead is this hard metal. And Christians are keen on felt lead. Very strange, odd substance. Don't trust felt lead. I felt lead. How can we discern the will of God? Metals, it's hard work, testing and approving. And once it's been proved to be gold, the stamp goes on. And we can, we can have a look. We look for the hallmark. An antiques expert might use uh, Dokimazo. Is this valuable? And uh, Jill and I often go around charity shops and we're looking for that, that bargain. I found one or two and I've put them on eBay and I've done quite well at times. I was watching one of the, um, well, Darren sent to me a little YouTube clip of um, Paul Laidlow on Antiques Road Trip. And he bought something for £50, a little old photographic kit from the 19th century. And it went to the auction and sold for £20,000, the Antiques Road Trip record uh, profit. And of course, all profits go to charity, and Paul Laidlaw didn't get that. But uh, antiques experts looking very carefully. Is it valuable? An art expert, this piece of work, is it genuinely a Picasso? Is it genuinely a Van Gogh? And there's this program on the television, isn't there? I've forgotten the lady who, uh, who hosts it. She's better at that than she is at Question Time. I've forgotten the name. Fake or fortune. People have bought this great work of, of art. And is it, is it genuine? And it goes to experts who painstakingly analyse it. It's important they get it right. But I tell you, far more important than gold or silver or platinum or antiques or works of art, the will of God is the most precious thing to get it right on to apply dokimazo, to test and to discern what is the will of God. And to think in your situation and mine, is this the will of God for me? And is this the will of God for us collectively as a local church? And so I'm back again to a most fundamental thing again before we get on to the, the details of the discerning. Do I have a heart? Do I have a desire? A willing desire and a loving heart. I want to please him. I want to serve him. So keep in view chapters 1 to 11. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ, this prophetic psalm, Psalm uh, 40. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, verses 7 and, and 8. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. That desire, Jesus Christ, I've come to do the will of God. Even in difficult times, nevertheless, not my will. It's humanity shrinking back from the, the cross in Gethsemane. Never, if it's possible, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be, be done. So, dokimazo, testing and discerning what is the will of God. First of all, the most fundamental guide to you and to me in knowing 
the will of God generally is, of course, the word of God. People in the world are passed from pillar to post. You and I know how much things have changed in Britain in the last 20 years, 30 years certainly. I can go back 50 years quite easily and think of the standards that pervaded then and what is now. Some of you can go back a little bit further, but not many of you. I'm reaching the the upper edge of the the age curve of the, the, the church here. But haven't things changed? Haven't morals, we'd say morals have slipped, but the world would say, no, we're making progress. We're, making, we're loosening the shackles of oppression. And we would say, oh, how things have slipped. Why? Well, because they're drifting. There's no reference point. The reference point is felt-led. What I want to do, what is best, what the collective decides is right, becomes what is right. But for the Christian, what is the will of God? Well, here it is. Here it is. So um, I need to be in the word of God. Here it is. Psalm 119 is wonderful. If you're wondering where to go next in your quiet times, then for the next few days, go through Psalm 119. Uh, There's a lot of verses there and it's split conveniently into little sections. It'll take you about three weeks to get through if you go section by section, but you'll read such nuggets as this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't know which way to turn, O Lord. Keeping my word, my son. Oh Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. During times of revival, a little child could um, far outwit a great philosopher. They, they suddenly knew and had insights into deep, deep mysteries. It's the word of God giving light and imparting understanding to the simple or oh, the word of God. Colossians 3 and 16, one of my go-to verses, let the word of Christ dwell in you. But then comes this wonderful addition, richly, let, you could stop it, but let it, let it dwell, settle in you richly. Here's the, here's the word of God, how, how do I let this dwell in my Heart. How do I go about doing that? Well, there are five ways in which the Word of God can settle into my heart in, in a rich manner. I've been thinking back, and maybe there's a little book on the back burner somewhere, the 10 best things I've ever heard in my 45 years as a Christian. Remember number one, uh, every day read your Bible, say your prayers. Number two, let none but Christ dazzle you. Number three, put on the whole armour of God uh, every day. I've forgotten number four at the moment, but coming in at number five, or is it number six, it, it, is this. I'm about to say now five ways that the Word of God can dwell in you richly. And they fit conveniently on the fingers of one hand. I use my right hand. Read it. Read it. Maybe you have reading plans. McShane will get you through the Bible uh, once a year. Read it. 
study it. Think on it. There's ladies' meetings and men's meetings where parts of the Bible are studied. Maybe you're going through a book um, together. Other ladies go through books. Book club. Study it. Study it. Read it. Study it. <clears throat> Memorize it. Scripture memory. Remembering verses. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Memorizing it. <coughs> meditation. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I shall be glad in the Lord. Taking a verse and sucking, sucking it dry, just letting it. Uh, behold, what manner of love is this that we should be called the children of God? Which country has this love come from? Be old, have a good look. What manner, what kind, what type of love is this? From what country does it come that I should be called a child of God? And you meditate and you think and spend time there. There's, there's four. And number five, hear it. Hear it, putting ourselves under the word of God to hear preaching and teaching and so as the chapel is opening up to get these zones all filled make sure you're coming if you're watching at home uh, most people I, I think uh, lots are getting back into and there's uh, there's this uh, farm church in in the afternoons as well and we're looking at when I'm speaking there the status of the Christian oh what a lovely time we had this afternoon the sun was shining and we sang our hearts out and little 20 minute message and then just to talk to each other for an hour or so in, in the, the garden there. How, how lovely and under God's word, those five ways. What a, what a glorious thing to get into our hearts and minds. Is the fifth or the sixth best thing I've ever heard. Let the word of Christ within you richly. Read it, study it, meditate, memorize and hear it, hear it. Little advert for the uh, home groups Again, if you don't regularly go to a home group there every other week, then please do start going to the home groups. Uh, most groups, three out of the four, are going through this little book by John Owen, Duties of Christian Fellowship, 22 rules for church members to think on very carefully. The first seven apply to your responsibilities towards your pastor, and the uh, next 15 Apply to your responsibilities towards each other, our responsibilities towards each other. And rule number one that we looked at last Wednesday and had a vigorous discussion on was this. Rule one from John Owen, believers are to attend regularly and submit to the preaching of the word and the administration of the ordinances committed to the pastor by virtue of his ministerial office. They are to do this with a willing obedience to the Lord. So we're going through these, uh, these wonderful rules set out by John Owen from the Word of God. They're quite brief, then some questions for discussion uh, together. So don't opt out mid midweek. If you can be there, do be there. This week it's the Old Church Bible Study and Prayer Meeting, but every other week we're in the, the home groups together. So the primary way that God leads is through his word. I also, of course, need to pray. And whenever I read the Bible, whenever we come to hear the word of God proclaimed, Psalm 119 and verse 18 is a go-to verse. Oh Lord, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things 
out of your law. Well then, the last uh, little bit of time this evening together. What about then his particular will for you and for me again? Who do I marry? What job? What church? Where do I live? Do I have children or not? Which college or university do I go to? Which subjects do I apply uh, for? I think about myself. And uh, there wasn't a Bible verse that said, step down from the pastorate in uh, September 2021. So how did I come to the conclusion this was the right thing to do and what on earth am I going to do uh, next? I'm only 64 after all. What is the next way? How do I discern the will of God? How do you discern the will of God? Well, it's the same as God's general will. Keeping his word. This is a lamp to my feet, a light to my pathway. But plus... We mentioned prayer, open my eyes. But if we're coming to wrestle with God's will, what about university? What about the subjects that you take? What about which church you go to? Do you marry or not? And where do you live? Do you change the car at this particular time? What investments might you you make? Well, this needs much prayer. This needs much prayer. This really needs seeking uh, the Lord. In Luke chapter 11, we thought on that this morning. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Much time in prayer. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, it's, it's, it's mysterious. We thought this morning, you know, he, he could have carried out his earthly ministry in his own innate power as the eternal Son of God. But he didn't. He emptied himself. He lays aside his majesty. He takes humanity. And in that wonderful one person, two natures, fully divine, he is the eternal son of God. Also fully human, a spotless human nature. He doesn't carry out his earthly ministry by his own innate power. But he carries it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we thought about that this morning. It's very telling. Then the shock on Calvary as the Spirit, uh, in a sense, abandons him. And the wrath of God comes upon him. And in his humanity, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That cry of dereliction. But oh, in his time on earth, how he prayed. Why should the Son of God pray? Because he's carrying out his earthly ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he cried out to God. Who will his disciples be? Did he know because he's the son of God? No, he seeks the will of his father. And he spends a whole night in prayer on the mountain. Then in the morning he calls his disciples to him. What was he doing in prayer there? Because it didn't say in the Old Testament which disciples he would have. He has to seek the will of his father. I've come to do your will, O Lord. And it took a lot of prayer. Hebrews 5 and verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because he's the Son of God. No, he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Oh, prayer. 
And coupled with prayer, if I'm really struggling to know the will of God, a time of fasting wouldn't go amiss. That it's a whole day or you just miss your main meal of the day, spending time, I'm serious about this, oh Lord. But coming very much to the heart of the passage we have here this evening, to really know and discern the will of God, the promise follows on at the latter part of verse 2. Following on from verses 1 and the first half of verse 2. Let's just read verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's then that by dokimozo, testing, you may discern. Obedience. Obedience. To hear thy dictates and obey. Putting myself in the way of God and always at his disposal. Looking to offer myself, Lord, what would you have me to do? Being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Simply obeying him. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. So these big decisions. Let me say this. Here's coming in at number seven in that book that's on the back burner. Never make a major decision whilst away from him. Right? Never make a big life change. Are you listening at home now? Here's the word of God. Never make a major decision whilst you're drifting away from him. Abraham, known as the friend of God. He was very close to God. Interesting phrase in Genesis chapter 18. The Lord comes down, here's a theophany, three angels appear, one is the angel of the Lord. Shall we tell Abraham what is about to happen? And they do, they do. Why? Well, he's close to God, he's a friend of God. If you've got some news, who do you share it with? You're on the phone to a friend, send a text to a friend. Who does God speak to? His friend Abraham. He's spoken and shared things with you. You're close to him. Never make a major life-changing decision when you're away from him. Paul, how was he led then? Tell you it was circumstances there in Acts chapter 16. He tried to go here. Something stopped him. We're not told what. He tries to go here. The Holy Spirit forbade him. He ends up on the coast. So how does he end up in Macedonia? How does the gospel come to Europe? Circumstances, God constraining and channeling him in. And for you and for me, to be rejected by that uh, employer or that university. It's not a mistake. You've done what you can. You've been praying. You're seeking the Lord. And he says, no, you can't have that job. No, you can't go to this college. Don't be disappointed. Rejoice. He's leading. Oh, if I'd gone there, what a disaster that would have been for my soul. And that's all that really matters. So we can be confident in him. He's leading in circumstances. What about this vision that Paul has? You ever had a vision? Come across and help us all. Come to this university. He's a vision of a vice chancellor in the night. Come across to Leicester Uni. That's not a prophetic word, by the way. <laughs> well, we can hear that still small voice. There's a lovely, lovely verse, Isaiah 30. 
whether you turn... See, if you're in the will of God, seeking him, whether you turn to the left or to the right, and this isn't felt-led, you'll hear a voice, this is the way, walk in it. Now, tell you how it comes. There's a, a lovely verse as well, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The word rule there is let the peace of Christ be the umpire. Same word that was used in the, uh, the uh, ancient games that used to take place. There would be an umpire, is the runner running in his lane as he fouled the, the, the running line. And the umpire is watching. And let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your heart. You're seeking the will of God, knowing his, his voice, embedded in his word and in prayer and in fasting and looking to be obedient. And God tells the man who cares he shares things with his friends and circumstances and doors and I'm still in the joy of the Lord and his voice coming through the word and his peace reigning in my heart. As a church now, we're approaching a big decision. Who is the next pastor? We mustn't take that lightly. And that prayer meeting for the new pastor should be, well, there should be far too many on, on the screens. We should all be battling to, to be uh, there, Do we really want to know the will of God? The most important decision this church will take in the next number of years. We've only had two pastors in the last 55 years, just two, me and Russ. And Russ will preach next Sunday morning and I'll, I'll be leading the service. And uh, who's the next? Who's going to be the third here, here? Do we really care? Seeking him individually and as a gathered church. In Acts chapter 13, as the church met together for worship, the Spirit said, set aside Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to. That's why it's important to be together in prayer meetings and in worship services. Because when we come to make decisions, it's those who've been at the worship services who will discern and know what the will of God is. Well, we've gone on long enough uh, tonight. It's a really important subject. What is the will of God for me, his general will? What is his particular will? There's a wonderful promise here. As I commit myself to him, then I'll be able to test and discern what is that wonderful will of God for my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this brief time in your word. Thank you that you are the God who speaks. Pray, Lord, that you lead us and guide us, our great Jehovah. Amen.